Today's episode is brought to you by Sarah Brooks of Country Financial, specializing in small business insurance, also offering home, auto, life, and more. Service is available in Alaska, Washington, Oregon, and Minnesota. They're also currently hiring. Call today for a free quote, and if you mention this episode, you'll receive a free gift. Sarah can be reached at 907-357-7455. That's 907-357-7455 for Sarah Brooks of Country Financial. On today's episode, Stephen A. Smith whiffs again. Is NIL helping or hurting college sports? Is Tom Brady really retired? The express lane etiquette. John Moran is now playing the victim. I didn't realize that not my scoring champion was a thing in this league. And Pat Beverly might be my new favorite player. That and a whole lot more. All right, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Chopping It Up with P. Scott. I'm Prescott Kelly. Today is Thursday, January 9th. God damn it. I've done this intro three times, and every single time I've said January, like I know it's February, but my last episode was in January, and I feel like I'm just stuck in that, not time zone, but in that time continuum of it's still January, because I was supposed to do an episode three different times, but because I got sick, had a work rotation, everything any other excuse you want to throw out there, I can have it for. But no, like I miss, like you guys know what day it is. You know what day you're listening. It shows up when it's published. I'm just, I'm not going to do it anymore. F*** it. We'll do it live. And there's so many damn things to get to. It's just ridiculous. So in the past two weeks, Brady's retired, which I don't know if I fully believe. We'll get into that a little bit later. D'Amico Ryans is the new head coach of the Houston Texans. LeBron breaks Kareem's scoring record. KD gets traded, Kyrie gets traded, all of this just absolute absurd <laughs> in such a short period of time that I'm not going to be able to get to all of it. So I'm not even gonna, I'm, I'm not even going to attempt to do it. But what I will do and where I will start off at is the ultimate victory lap on what I continue to preach on this show and what you guys continue to do for me. Not like you specifically as in this audience, maybe some of you, but not all of you. But the internet, it continuously gives me what I am, I'm, I'm, I'm validated more than ever based on the Kevin Durant trade on top of other things. But since that's the most recent thing in this timeline, we'll go ahead and stick to that. I, NBA Today, a couple of days ago, had Stephen A. Smith on and he's like, book it. I guarantee it. Watch out. Watch out. Kevin Durant to Boston. Jalen Brown. Like, I can't do his accent. I can't do that. I do accents. I can do impressions, but I can't do that one. But you know what I'm going for. He has a very low, you listen to me, Stephen A. Smith, when I tell you my credentials. You better believe me when I tell you Kevin Durant to Boston. Like, that's, you know, like, that's how he goes. And then immediately after that, socials are blowing up. Watch out for Katie to Boston, Katie to Boston. And it's like, I don't think that's going to happen. Now, Obviously, Jalen Brown getting hurt. Now, that was just last night, too. So there's people already saying, well, that's why it didn't go through is because Jalen Brown got hurt. It's got nothing to do with that. Nothing. To quote the great little Wayne, real G's moving silence like lasagna. We think that we know all this stuff because of what people tell us 
you know, through the shows that we watch. But how many deals do we see get done that we're like, whoa, what the f I didn't see that coming. Neither did your experts. Neither did your insiders. This is why like when people dog on Kyrie, I'll, I'll never leave here. Yeah, well, what do you want him to say? If he, if you, if he says openly publicly that he's open to leaving, you're going to crucify the hell out of him. If he leaves once he says he's going to stay, you're going to do the exact same thing. These players are in a lose-lose situation, but your favorite person who's a TV personality, like you don't care what the hell they say. They can say whatever outlandish thing that they want to because the next day they get to go out and give a different take and you forget all about it. But when, when Stephen A started saying, watch for Kevin Durant to Boston, I thought, nah, I don't think that. Now, I didn't say that he was going to go to Phoenix, but didn't the Nets also say within that same three-day period that they weren't trading Kevin Durant? And whenever I hear an organization say, we are not doing something, nine times out of 10, they are doing the complete opposite. You can't trade Kevin Durant, watch. Watch them and do it. And they did. That's the problem with when we watch these sports, like, it sounds like an old head thing to do because I don't try to be an old head, but it comes off this way when I say that the two things that have really kind of ruined sports is social media and fantasy sports. Now, there are certain things about fantasy sports I think that have really elevated sports. Sports that you may not have watched beforehand, you're watching now. You're more invested, you know, because either you're in a, a pool with your buddies or it's a work function or, you know, there's this weird thing called gambling that's involved in it too, money. That's another part that intrigues people. So it's not that it's ruined like viewership or anything like that, but fantasy sports and social media have dumbed it down to the lowest common denominator of score, stat, and that's it. And that's like, to me, I just, I don't subscribe to that Neanderthal rule. And it's the same when it comes to even just media in general, whatever you hear, you regurgitate online, you pretend like you're the expert. And, and nobody knows what's going on behind closed doors because you aren't in those conversations and neither are these guys. Woj gets to be correct all the time because he's reporting what's actually happening. Stephen A gets to be the talking head who you enjoy because he likes to create banter, which is also largely shtick. Like if you've actually heard him talk with Bamani Jones or other people, he's like, I'm supposed to be excited about this. If I'm not excited, how can I get you excited about it? So even he, to a degree, is only doing this for, not only doing it for television purposes, but he's wrong more often than he's right when it comes down to these trades. So, but again, it just further proves my point that sports simps, because I love calling y'all that, again, not you in the audience, but you know who I'm talking about, who just regurgitate the take that they just heard and try to make it their own, but we know it ain't yours. And I'd be very, very disappointed. This is my Stephen A. Smith. I'd be very, very disappointed if you try to take my take and make it your take. Because you better believe me that if you do, I don't know why that went to DMX. All right. I'm done with the I'm done with the Stephen A. Smith impression. We'll we'll just we'll leave it at that. But before we get into any hoops, um, I will touch on one subject because I ask you guys through the chopping up a P. Scott page, like, you know, what do you want me to talk about? And this is a subject that I've, I've touched on a little bit. College football isn't like my expertise, my specialty. So I try not to dive into it a whole lot. But NIL is something that I did talk about a little bit when it started to be implemented. 
and one of the one of my friends who lives up here in Alaska with me, who has started listening to the show more, has asked, you know, you know, what about NIL, college athletes transfer portal? Uh, is it good for the school student athletes? You know, is it a flawed system? You know, all that good stuff. So I figured I'm gonna start there because Darren's been a supporter of the podcast page, and now he's starting to listen. And I wanted to give him a shout out, not only just because of that, but you know, the the listenership of this podcast is way more than just outside of Alaska. But for the people who are here, I still want to make sure that they get their flowers. Like that's why I support Sarah Brooks, uh, the insurance agency, uh, and Darren is self-employed. Two Rivers Exterior Services. He helped the hell out of me back in January of last year. We had a crazy windstorm. You know, we had a pipe burst. Downstairs was flooding. Everything else like that. He was there on the double to help us with a lot of the issues that we were having with our house. And then he started this business, and it's largely residential and commercial exterior services. But they also do snowplows and stuff like that. So if you are in Alaska, like I live in Wasilla, so if you're in the Wasilla Palmer area, make sure to hit up Darren Hoverston again. It's Two Rivers Exterior Services. So I want to give him a plug, and also because he's been very supportive of the page. So if you don't live in Alaska, sorry about this one. But if you're outside of Alaska and want to get a shout out or you know, want to be part of the, you know, if you want to jump on the bandwagon of being a sponsor, holla at your boy. But he's been asking about NIL and what I think about it. And there's, it's good and bad. And at some point in time, what I mentioned about a year, year and a half ago was that this thing is going to get out of control and it's going to get out of control quickly. But I don't blame the players for it. I blame NCAA. Like they've been letting this thing happen for so long where they've been basically getting quote unquote free labor off these players and making billions of dollars, right? And the thing that I thought was going to get more out of hand was the coaching staffs because the coaching staffs have had so much control over these kids for so long that now it's, oh, yeah, the uh, the players are who would really make this thing go. It's not really us because at the college level it largely is about getting the best talent at least at least to me you know we still have like the same what top 10 ish type of schools you get a couple that have rotated in every they rotate in and out every once in a while but who do you hear every single year who's in a national championship race it's always ohio state it's georgia alabama Clemson, you know, and again, like, okay, so TCU is a fun story this year, but you know, sometimes you, it's another SEC school. It might, it might be Florida, it might be Florida state. You know, that's within the last like 10 years or so. Michigan, Oregon was up there for a long time and they're still kind of relevant, but it's a handful of teams who are always in that top 10 to 15 conversation because they get the best talent. And it's really not that hard to like it, it like that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. And because P Scott said so. But the transfer portal and uh, an NIL to me are good for the sport. It's good for the kids. But at some point in time, it is going to get too out of control. And I, the way that I look at it, and I've said this before, is I think that college football is going to start to sanction like some type of cap for college athletes that they can't make a certain amount of money or that once they do, it needs to be distributed across the rest of the team or other platforms or other sports. Now, I don't know if that will ever happen. Maybe it's just the personalized cap that say, hey, like you can't make more than $2 million a year or a million dollars a year or whatever the case might be. I don't know if that's what the number will be, but they're going to have to get this thing under control sooner than later because 
the reason why we have salary caps in sports is because owners can't control themselves. If there wasn't a salary cap, they'd be throwing all kinds of cash at everybody. And that would be exactly what you had to do with this because the boosters couldn't control themselves. These numbers are only going to increase if you don't get a strangle on it soon. So NIL to me is a good thing, but it's going to get so crazy. Like the numbers are going to be so lucrative for the highest of highs. And you're also going to be careful on, I, I can't remember the kid's name, but it was a guy, uh, a quarterback from, from Florida, I believe, who backed out. It was like a $13 million deal that got ousted. Like this, these are absurd numbers. So college football at some point in time is going to have to get a hold of this. And I don't know how they're going to be able to do it, but they're going to have to. But the transfer portal to me is another thing where, the professional level loves to find anything that they can find to flaw you in. So if you transfer multiple times, they're going to say, oh, he's not committed. Okay, well, maybe the guy just wants to play. Maybe he wants to get NIL money, but maybe he wants to get, maybe he wants to actually play, show his talent so he can get drafted and, and, and actually play in the NFL. But I do think that the transfer pool can get too out of control where people are transferring every single year. I think that there should be a limit on that. Two transfers. You get a shot at two. And then you're done because I mean, you have to play at least three years anyways, right? Like you, you have to play at least three years of college ball, but they used to make you sit. You know, if you wanted to transfer out, you had to sit a full year, you lost a, a year of eligibility. And it was this whole, just mess of stuff. So I think the, I think the cap should be too, you know, if you, if you go someplace your freshman year and it's still stacked because that's what college, the, 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 the rosters are so much bigger at college football that it makes sense that you would recruit two and three starting quarterbacks because you're going to probably lose one of them every single year. But if you cannot play somebody or another position opens up at a better school, like I think you should be able to do that. But there are some teams that play three and four years like that. That becomes too much for me. You know, again, as, as somebody who doesn't watch college football and doesn't like college football, it's, it's hard for me to really put a stamp on something to be passionate about when I'm not. So I'm just like, yeah, put a two year cap on it. If you do it twice, then you're done. And then, you know, I, I don't I don't agree to a salary cap in NIL necessarily because I feel like these kids should be able to make the money that they're if you think that they're worth it, go pay them because that's what it's about. It's about what somebody is willing to pay you. It's got nothing to do with well, you shouldn't be able to make that money because of your age. No. No, no, no. You had no problem paying them nothing when they were making you money, but now they can make their own outside of it. Now you have the problem? Nah, like I I personally don't get down that way. So again, I don't know the answers to how these things will get fixed or what the answers will be, what the definitive decisions will be. I do see in the future that they will put a cap on how many times you can transfer. I don't know if it'll be two. It might be one. I have no idea. But I could see them putting a cap on the transfers and also I could see them putting a cap on the monetary value that you can actually acquire. And I don't know if that's going to be aggregate while you're in school or if it's per college. Uh, if you decide to transfer, like if they're going to do it that way. But I do see there being some regulations at some point in time in the next few years where they're going to have to try to get this under control before it gets too out of control. But again, I don't feel bad for the NCAA. Like, had you guys agreed to pay these kids at least something early on, you wouldn't be in this position. Almost everything in this country is overreactionary. Once you open up the floodgates, you basically have a Hurricane Katrina of currency. And... College athletics doesn't want that. We'll be right back after these messages. All right. So before we get into anything else, remember, you can always find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor for whatever reason when I upload this. 
from Anchor to my podcast page. It only allows you to click on there to Spotify and Anchor directly, not Apple or Google Podcasts. It does upload them to both of those services, but for whatever reason, like you can't directly get to those two from the Anchor page. So if you listen, I know that you, I know that some of you do through Google or Apple. You specifically, I need more than anybody else. If you listen and enjoy the content, please share with your friends. Uh, again, it's 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 a long roundabout way of me of trying to get more listens because if I could just if I could just upload it and send it everywhere, and you could click on the link and it brought up everything, that would be dope, and I wouldn't have to hammer this home. And once I'm rich, I won't have to. So that's on you guys. That's your homework for the weekend. But the question I have before we get into sports, and it's more of an etiquette thing, is do you treat the U-Scan and the Express checkout the exact same way? And what I mean by that is like the, U, the, the, the Express lane has always been, what, 12 items or less, 10 to 12, depending on where you live. Like me, I use the U-Scan for almost everything. Not if I'm actually grocery shopping. If I'm using grocery shopping, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I just prefer to do it myself. It's it's quicker. It's easier. I don't need to stand behind. I'm not lazy. I've seen people stand in line with three items and they'll sit there for 15 minutes. Bro, why? There's no way that you're that lazy. You have like a pack of batteries, an energy drink, and a rotisserie chicken. Go through the use. If those were my items anyways, I'd want to go through the use scan because I don't want anybody knowing that that's my life. But the main reason why I'm bringing it up is uh, this was because I'm an, I'm an observer of the human experience and I went through the use scan. I had, I had like 17, 18 items, but the other thing too is, and maybe this is just me being biased. If I have a lot of the same little item, I don't really count it that way. Like if I buy five bags of jelly beans and I've got four energy drinks, something like that, like that's nine right there, but that's just, that's what that's 40 seconds worth of work no don't judge me if i have more than 12 items because again you scan isn't the self-checkout but i almost kind of equate them to the same do i understand why some people want to do the use scan with full groceries and that's the reason why i bring this up because this woman 10 12 days ago full cart i get it you don't want your eggs at the very bottom you don't want your bread at the bottom being squished by frozen meat if you have that bad of an experience and you are that traumatized, I get it and I salute you. But I'm I'm also like my ADD is off the charts. So if I do have eggs or bread, I'm looking where those motherfuckers are going. And if they don't push them to the side, I'm not a very confrontational person, but I will say, hey, could you please move those over so you can put them on top? Because I feel like you're not going, you're going to be negligent with my items. And I can't have that right now especially with the price of eggs right now. But yeah, like it's, it's just for me, I was like, yo, I couldn't, I couldn't stand being in line or not being in line, but, but going through the, the U scan and just scanning item after item after item, because you know, you're going to have like eight different bags and that's just going to be even because they only give you like a, a, a small little lazy Susan of, of shopping bags for you to be able to use anyways. I just don't see how it, how it can be conducive to your shopping experience. See, it was more of a, 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 a an observation, and you know, what do you do? Obviously, you can't really talk back to me right now, but it's a conversation piece, I guess. You scan versus express lane. Do you treat them the same? I, I don't. If I'm gonna, 
if I'm going to go through the U-Scan, I'm going through the U-Scan. I don't use the express lane for literally anything at all. Useless to me. Moving on. I still don't think that Tom Brady is done. I hate that so much. Like I shouldn't, I shouldn't be saying that when he's 45 years old. Right? But that motherfucker is seven years older than me and still wanting to play professional football. It just it hurts. Like how lazy I've been over the years. But I've kind of I've etched out a nice little space for myself. I've had a nice career. I got to do this on the side. So I can't be too mad, but by the same token, I'm like, man, that dude really is just built different. And the hatred towards that man is just ridiculous. And I think that's what it is more than anything else. People are just jealous of his life. The fact that he got to play quarterback for 20 plus years and won seven Super Bowls and was married to a model for as long as he was. And and I've been over this before and I'll say it again. I'll I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. I think that Giselle is overrated as far as physical appearance is concerned. You can go fight your mama on it. But that's just me. Uh, but I don't think that Tom's over with this, man. It's it's so hard for me to believe it. Uh I know the delivery on his Instagram post was was more intimate, right? It felt more organic. It felt more real. I just think he's going to go from 40 days to 80 days, though. Like, each time he retires, just, just doubles up how long he's out for. So he'll be gone for 80 days, and then he'll probably go someplace else. Name any team that you want to. He's been rumored to go to six or seven. So yeah, just throw it at a dartboard, see where it lands. But until that dude actually calls a game and is in the booth I do not believe for one moment that he is actually completely retired from playing professional football and the other thing I want to get to as well before I, I'm going to try to go through as many topics as I can because good lord there was so much that happened over the past week and a half or so um, everyone's just assuming that Tom Brady is going to be great in the booth and if, if this thing would have been brought to my attention 10 years ago, I would have said, no, like, there's no way he's too starchy. I would, like, there's no, I, would, I don't want to listen to him. Now, some people love that. They, they, they want their commentators to be commentators. They want them to just break down film, play after play after play, and have no emotional connection to the game whatsoever. Like, I don't want that. Like, I want to be entertained. I won't turn on a game specifically because of a commentator. I won't turn it off because of one either, though. Like, to me, it's a football game. Like, I'm not even really paying attention to them. But I'm more engaged if you're more engaged. That's why I like Tony Romo. But again, 10 years ago, if Brady was offered this deal, I'd be like, ugh. All right, well, I'm going to watch a football game with Tom Brady still ruining it for me. With that Bills Patriots for 20 years is whooping that ass. But now, now that he's a little bit older and we've seen a different side of him, I think he'd be better... But to just assume that he's going to be great right from the get-go, I don't know. I guess it depends on what your point of view is and what you what you want out of a football experience and your viewership. Something would be terrible, but I just I don't know if I'm going to. There are certain people who are just complete Tom Brady stands or like, oh my god, Tom Brady's on TV. I can't wait to watch, you know, the the Texans and the Jets. Cool. You guys have fun with that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over here to a different game. There's going to be people who want to watch him just because it's Tom Brady. And I get that. But there isn't one person on television where I go, oh, my God, they're calling this game regardless of sport. Where I go, I have to run to a television to watch it. It's just I just don't get down that way. But yeah, there, to me, until he actually calls a game, that dude's not completely done. 
Doverly now. I, I'm telling you, put put the 80 day benchmark on it. Once it reaches past 80 days, then I'll start taking him more serious. Okay, so another random thought that I was having, because again, ADD is super crazy. Another thing that I was thinking about the other day was we we've in our culture we've kind of developed the whole shoot your shot mentality, right? And I was listening to 90s hip hop on Spotify the other day. And Aaliyah's Are You That Somebody came on. And like I had this epiphany of just, oh my God, holy shit. This is what started the shoot your shot revolution. Go back and really listen to the lyrics. Okay. Not just the dust yourself off and try again. Not just that part. If at first you don't succeed. No, 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 no. Really dive into the lyrics. It will your mind. John Moran thinks that the Memphis Grizzlies are the most hated team in the NBA. <laughs> Man, you are right now, mother. Good job, bud. Good job. And I know that this story is a couple days old now, so you've probably heard every take that you you probably could about it. But when it first dropped, I thought it was really funny because Memphis was a team that everybody was really high on coming into this year. You know, they're, oh, they're fun and they're energetic, and we love the vibe around Memphis and the young core. And Ja really represents that city. And now he's pretending he's a gangster and all this other stuff. But I think the thing that you, that you, these young bucks need to realize, and there's me getting into old head mode again. God, I really try to avoid that. I'm almost 39. So I try not to be that dude. I'm in that awkward, I'm in that awkward purgatory where I'm not young, but I'm not old. So I lean young on some things, but I lean old on other. This is the thing that I lean on though is, yo, if you don't want the attention, don't ask for it. Because these dudes have been chirping all year, acting like they've done something. And that's another old head thing. What have you done? I'm not trying to do that. But y'all were good last year. You were fun. You were entertaining. They were better without you, too, Joss. I mean, let's just, like, record-wise. And there's a big enough sample size where I can say that, where I don't feel like I'm just being prisoner of the moment. But, dog, y'all can't be clapping at everybody. And then Shannon Sharp hurts your feelings or hurts Dylan Brooks's feelings. And then next thing we know, y'all are losing like nine out of 10 and getting waxed by everybody. And now you're like, we're the most hated team in the league. Now you guys are turning into a bunch of little crybabies is what's turned into. You turn into a bunch of dudes who wanted the smoke and now you're getting it like Traeger status. And you can't handle it, apparently. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to see these guys are mentally frail because I don't actually believe that. But it's so funny how in such a quick order, you can go from, like, really the nation's team. Everybody was rooting for Memphis is what it seemed like last year and then at the beginning of this year. But you slowly start building who maybe you actually are as opposed to just the fun, energetic team. Now you have to have this persona behind you. And some people just might not like it. And then the thing is, like, when you lose, that's when all these things get put into perspective like that's when these things really start to gain traction if you just like if you lose the way you do without running your mouth it's just all we're in a slump i'll figure it out but when you run your mouth the way you do when you lose it's ha <laughs> look what you want but can't handle it but if you run your mouth the way you were and you were winning it's all oh, look that's that's grit that's swagger and it's such a just a damn stupid thing to say and to, to to think but that's the narrative around it but like no one hates you guys, man. 
because you guys are fun to watch. And I love watching John Moran play. I don't think his game is going to age very well, but that's a story for a different day. But if you guys want to be treated like the most hated team in the league, congratulations, you've earned it. And it wasn't, it wasn't because it wasn't any, it was self-inflicted wounds at this point in time. You got no one to blame but yourself. I'm actually really glad that a couple days have gone by since LeBron broke Kareem's scoring record because I was sick on Monday and I called out sick of, of work on Tuesday. So I was laying in bed because it's, you know, with being in Alaska, that game started at like 6, 6.30, you know, so it really wasn't that late for me. And uh, I'm laying in bed watching him break the record and good Lord, just the I was scrolling through my phone a little bit and I just saw MJ's the go. Kareem would never bronze up stat patter contribute. Like he's a compiler and just all of just absolute. The man just broke the all time scoring record. And the first thing that people want to do is just go straight to social media and give their hot takes. And it's like, this is why I hate this so much. Cause the first thing that we do is we want to discredit the greatness. And I've been saying this forever is that the mediocre players we always have good things to say, right? Oh, well, I like this guy's game. He's good off the bench. He's a good rebounder. Uh, Mark Smith, if he's a three-point shooter, good three and D guy. We always have some, we have something positive to say about the mediocre players because we see more of us in them, right? Because like they're the everyday employees. We don't, there's nothing that we can gravitate towards with the actual superstars, that we can say, oh yeah, I see that about him. Oh yeah, I'm I'm six nine, two forty, and I can run a four three. Yeah, that's me. Of course, I got good hands, good court vision. Yeah, I got everything. That's me, one hundred percent. But the truly great ones, we always got to find a way to bring them down. Like I'm, I am more of a LeBron guy than the Jordan guy. But even the guys who are just trying to bash Jordan for other things, I'm like, this is so stupid, guys. Like, why can't you guys just sit back and enjoy the greatness? And there's always some, there's always something that we're nitpicking on. And uh, what I what I thought was the most funny, I was <laughs> in one of the, the sports pages I follow, because the internet can be really funny, where Kareem is handing the ball to LeBron after he passes him. And it's like, here, just just take this already. And I reminded me of Pootie Tan was like, just take your sh and leave, Pootie. I'm tired of yours. <laughs> That was my response to someone's like, take your sh and leave Pootie James. I'm sick of your ass. <laughs> but like this had to be sitting on Kareem forever. And we know there's a little bit of a pass between these two guys. But to, to go back to the original point, just comparing these guys is, is one, it's ridiculous. You can't, the cross platform of, of generations of talent, rules, athletic ability. I'm always, the one thing I will stay constant on though is that you can't argue at all with me that the athletes were better back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and even to a degree the 90s than they are now. I I will not I will not bow to that. The athletes now are just they're they're better. We use the term like bigger, faster, stronger, but they're not all bigger. They're not all faster. They're not all stronger, but they are sure as hell more athletic than they were back in the day. And I think my favorite thing that I saw throughout everything was people dogging 
LeBron the final shot that he made it to, to pass Kareem. I'm like, oh, see, he was so open. It's like, no, he was getting by it up pretty good, but he got enough space. And, you know, once you're already up and elevated, you know, not every shot is 100% contested. We see that. But before the shot, he was actually, cont- he was he was guarded pretty pretty well. But it's always that once the shot's released, it's like, oh, well, he was wide open. Yeah, not really the case. But you, the argument, too, was, well, they were letting him have everything. It's like, nah, he was working for buckets. Like, you could tell he was trying to get it. He, like, he was trying to be selfish this time because he wanted, I, I feel like he just kind of wanted to get it out the way. But, yeah, he was obviously trying to be aggressive to get it in the first half or as, as close to as he could. But the argument was others letting him get buckets. Nah, he was, he was actively trying, though. The other thing, like when I put those two together that nobody wants to listen to because for whatever reason, and I know exactly the reason why, I guess I'll backtrack. The whole him and Kobe thing is annoying to me because if you guys remember correctly, which I don't think that a lot of you guys do, Kobe Bryant was not looked in such a glowing light until after he passed and the way that he passed and the way that that crash affected so many other people and so many young lives, including his daughter. We look at Kobe so much more differently now than we used to. So what I, what I do is I separate the fact from the fiction and the myth from what actually happened. If you go back and watch, and I'm going to go back and just, if you isolate the very last game of Kobe's career, we played against Utah and he put up 60, go watch that game. Like that was rec league defense that Utah was playing. They were letting him get whatever he wanted. Uncontested shots left and right. So when people say, oh, well, Kobe put up 60 in his last game. Yeah, go back and watch that one. But again, like Kobe's legacy has been transformed because of the horrific accident. And I feel bad saying that. I really do because like that's like that's that's one of the worst things I could think could possibly happen, especially with your child and other children and other families were affected by it. But if we are if we are going to isolate just the instances of like how we view somebody, like we didn't think of Kobe this way when he was alive. And I don't think that we still would if he were. I think that the narrative would still be very similar to what it was, which was largely selfish, basically Michael Jordan light and has a rape scandal hanging over his head. Like that's still like the people who don't like Kobe are still going to say that, but that has gone away because of the horrific way of the events that happened a couple years ago. But that's just my two cents. You can agree with it. You cannot. You know, again, I, I feel bad saying that, but I feel like it's a truth that a lot of people are just kind of pushing to the side because they don't want to sound like people to say it based on what happened. I won't do the horn one after that one. That one actually kind of made me sad, so I'll just go ahead and move along. <laughs> um, one last thing I'll get to before we wrap up this episode because uh, we'll probably try to scoot out one more before the Super Bowl, I have to work tomorrow, but I'm off Saturday. So we might try to get one more out on Saturday. Um, I've been very pro player, and I don't understand why so many fans are so pro management. I've, I've made the case a few times where when it comes to the work environment, you are so much closer to the employee than you are management or to the player than you are management that it blows my mind how much like at your job, management sucks they're always wrong they're always trying to push 
the employer's down, and it's always about them. But when it comes to sports, you take their side all the time. And I like it baffles me. It really does. And <laughs> during warm-ups, Josh Hart was traded from the Blazers to the Knicks. Like, how f***ed up is that? During warm-ups. So when I see players that, that want to actually press whatever powers that they do have, I would say, yo, more power to you, man. You can call it diva. You can call it whatever whatever negative connotation that you want to put to it. That's on you, and you can you can view it that way. But I view it through the prism of, for the longest time, these guys didn't have any power. And even though the money has increased, not everybody has the same amount of power. Let's just get that straight. So the, when the players that do have it exercise it, I'm all for it. It can be sometimes outlandish, and I don't support it every single time. But as a general rule, I am pro player more than anything else. And like the Josh Hart trade is a prime example of why I am. During warm-ups, warm-ups. This isn't like they're on the flight and he has a chance to like change clothes or sit out or whatever. He's like in the layup line. He's warming up with his dudes. He's taking jumpers. Checks his phone. Oh, all right. Well, I guess I'm going to the Knicks. That's awesome too. I mean, he'll be fine there. I like Josh Hardy, but damn, that's dirty. And on like, before we actually get out of here, I'll say one more thing. I was saying when when Dame signed his his big contract extension that the the fake loyalty is essentially going to run out at some point in time because he's always said, I want to win in Portland, win in Portland. I've been telling you guys for years now, he's not going to win anything there. So we got one more bag, right? He signed a, a two-year extension and got just an absurd amount of money. He's not going to win anything. He still might get traded. I mean, the, the trade deadline, I think, is... It's today. I don't think it's passed yet, uh, based by the time that this will actually be uploaded. But if it's not this year or today, it'll be next year. The kill be gone. I don't like to be, I, I won't say definitively that he will be, but if he's not traded, he'll play someplace else. He's not going to finish his career in Portland. I just don't see it happening. Because I had made the comment a few years ago that it doesn't matter what happens when the resume is completely done. When Dame Lillard's story is written, you aren't going to care about how many all-star appearances he had. You're not going to care. If he if he does stay completely in Portland, you aren't going to talk about him as a great shooter or a great playoff performer, uh, you know, make it the top city. Like, you're not going to care about any of that. If he retires in Portland and finishes out his entire career, it's going to be, well, what did you do? Did you win anything? Nope. And you're instantly going to go from, oh, well, we want him to win in Portland. Like, that's the only way you, That's the only way that you should do it. That's the only way that we respect it is if you do it that way. No, what you really do is you respect the rings, but only if it's done your way. So he's in a lose-lose situation, and he's not going to win anything in Portland. I do feel like he's either – I don't know how they're going to trade that contract – because it is such an absorbent amount of money. But if they trade him next year, you can at least get something back for him. I doubt that they'll let him walk. That's the whole thing. I have a hard time believing that they're just going to let him walk. 
someone's going to make a crazy deal for him on an expiring contract, and he might win someplace else. But until he actually gets a championship, as of right now, you're going to praise him for doing it your way, but you're going to crucify the absolute hell out of him when there's zero rings attached to Dan Miller's name. Oh, and one more shout-out before we, before we go. I used to hate Pat Beverly. Over the last few weeks with his antics and showing the ref, I, I know I'm two weeks behind on this, but I, I wasn't able to give my take on it then. Showing the referee the camera of when Braun got fouled, that's like the most poetic way of getting a technical foul and ejection. Like, I, he has slowly grown on me as one of my favorite dudes in the NBA. I used to just, he used to annoy the hell out of me. And there's certain things about his game that I still don't like. But his overall personality, I think that he'd be cool to kick it with. I could get down with Pat Beverly. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. As always, stay up, stay blessed. Again, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. And we will catch you guys on the next one.